Ah, beloved, I'm Pastor Trey, and you're now listening to the New Living Translation. This is Bonafide Bible Talk, because God speaks my language too, and I'm sure enough about to act like it. Let's go. All right, now, let's get to some housekeeping right here, right now. First and foremost, if this is your first time listening to the New Living Translation, welcome. If it's not your first time, then welcome back. I'm so grateful to have you here. I recognize you could have been doing anything in the world with your time right now. You chose to spend these few moments with me, and I don't take that lightly at all. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Next on the agenda, I need to ask a favor from you. If you could take a few brief moments to leave a rating wherever you're listening to this podcast, I would greatly appreciate it, particularly if it's one of them five-star ratings. Matter of fact, if it's not going to be one of those, just pretend you ain't hear that last instruction. I don't need that type of four-star and below energy in my life. Also, if you wouldn't mind, leave a review right quick. Particularly if you're over there on Apple Podcasts, that's where a lot of people end up searching for shows, and those reviews actually help a lot of people give shows chances. So, if you could rate and review over there on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super duper dope. Moving past that, I need to warn you that this episode is going to be a little bit different than how these episodes typically unfold. So, if this is your first time, I want to invite you to go back and listen to some other episodes and kind of smell what we cooking around here. But a few weeks ago, I opened up a voice mailbox for this podcast. Been encouraging y'all to submit any questions you might have. Hoping that somebody would take me up on that. Getting lonely. Feeling neglected. Just want to wonder y'all to talk to me. And then finally, somebody reached out. Now, because technology never worked when we needed to or wanted to, how we needed to and wanted to, they weren't able to get the actual audio in. They reached out to me on Twitter via direct message, which is also an acceptable practice for y'all. You can follow me on all of the socials at PastorTray05. You can reach out to me on PastorTray05.com. However you got to do it, it's cool with me. But also, if you want to, you can still leave a voicemail. The link is in the description for every episode. Just click on that. It's going to ask you to sign up for an account, unfortunately. I couldn't find any way around that. But leave a voicemail, we'll go ahead and pop it into the episode. But I'm not too concerned with exactly how we get it in. I just want to have some bona fide Bible talk with y'all. So thank you, Jordan Paris, for this week's question. Now, I'm about to throw a voice effect on this question, and I need y'all to understand it's not to make fun of nobody. It's just because I know how the internet works, and I don't trust everybody. And I know the very moment I read somebody else's words in my own voice, somebody going to clip that up and make it seem like trade. I don't know. We not dealing with it. I'm throwing a voice effect on while I'm reading somebody else's question, and that's that on that. Without any further ado, our courageous listener asks. So I wanted to ask about Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 42. We see verse 29 employed often in cases where people want to disobey government. But the disciples aren't talking to government officials. They're talking to the leaders of the religious establishment. I'm wondering at the implications that brings out, particularly for those of us who serve in the church or even parachurch organizations. Thanks. No, my friend. Thank you. Giving us some great food for thought right here. We're going to talk about the implications of this text as you've asked as soon as I pair your question with a question of my own. 
were the disciples led to this stance by love? Because don't forget, this season we're talking all about love as an act of liberation. Love as an extension of liberation. Loving our way to liberation. Because this season of Three Black Men is all about finding your way to freedom. We're talking about liberation. And I like synergy. I like to be talking about the same stuff. But we're talking about love as an act of liberation. And so, I want to examine this text as well as another text that this question made me think of and ask, where is love leading us? Now, I won't be translating this passage in its entirety or nothing like that, but we are still going to have us some bona fide Bible talk right after this break. All right, so Pete was happening in Acts chapter 5. Jesus and Cain ministered been crucified, buried, resurrected. And we have this community of disciples of Jesus, these believers in Jesus who are reorienting themselves around life without Jesus walking among them in the flesh. These communities didn't have the Bibles that we have. They didn't have what we refer to as the New Testament. They didn't have a couple thousand years of church history to lean back on. All they had was the testimony of these people who had walked with Jesus and, as of Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit living inside of them, guiding them toward a new way of living and a new way of being. So Jordan's question today came to us from Acts chapter 5, beginning in verse 12, where we learn that these disciples of Jesus, these leaders of this new community, had earned a bit of a reputation and how you felt about them largely depended on who you was and the type of life you was already living. Acts chapter 5 verse 12 tells us that the disciples was putting in work. The apostles is there known, the sent ones, the people who are tasked with carrying the message of Jesus. They had been doing miracles. And it says that they was together in Solomon's portico, this section of the Jerusalem temple complex, and that so many people had heard about the things that they was doing and what they had going on. The people was for real laying out sick people and infirm people on mats, hoping that the shadow of Peter would fall on them and that they might be healed. That's right there in the Bible. And these communities started growing. The people kept flocking to see what was happening with these followers of Jesus in this new community. We got people flocking from the surrounding towns to see what's going on in not everybody is happy about it. So in verse 17, we see that some of the folks that weren't that happy about it decide they're going to do something about it. So they get the apostles locked up. They disturbing the peace. They causing a nuisance. This is not going to fly. It's not going to work for us. But then this angel of the Lord comes and frees them and says, go back to the same temple where you just got arrested from and tell everybody about this new life that you live in. So they do exactly that. And the people who locked them up go to get them from the jail. They find out they're not in the jail no more. They're like, what's happening? We locked them up. We did a real good job. And somebody was like, hey, them dudes that y'all was looking for, that you locked up, they actually back in the temple talking again. They're like, what in the world is going on? And they gather these dudes up they bring them in look didn't we specifically tell y'all to stop doing this you disturbing the peace you don't you can't be doing it here at the very least and then in verse 29 where the question is rooted says peter and the apostles answered we must obey god rather than any human 
authority. Meaning whatever you got going on is your business, but I got this fire. I got this message from God that I, I gotta put it out there. You can't stand in the way of this. It's not gonna work. I'm not wired like that. Now, as Jordan alluded to in our question for today, there are a lot of people who cite this particular verse as a reason for civil disobedience. I am not gonna follow human authorities when God said something different. That makes sense. I'm with it. I, I respect that. Good trouble. That's, that's what John Lewis talked to us about. That's what Martin Luther King was about. That's what Gandhi was doing. Sometimes you got to break some rules when you know stuff ain't right. Cool. My problem with that is that a lot of these same people will then point to Romans chapter 13, where it says that all authority comes from God and to obey the governing authorities. Interestingly enough, when you look at the context of that particular scripture, it's after this grand theological opus that Paul writes talking about the promise made to the children of Israel and how that promise can't fall flat and how Gentile believers ought to act in light of that promise. And then we have this, this exhortation to obey the governing authorities. Ain't nobody spoke about the Roman Empire government at all in that letter this whole time. And I have this theory that maybe Paul wasn't talking about the government in that sense. He was talking about the fact that a lot of these Gentile believers were worshiping among Jewish believers and in Jewish communities. And there's this arrogance that comes with thinking that because you got this special access and you had the special door without having to go through circumcision and all of that stuff that maybe you get to call some shots now. And I think Paul says that, no, you need to humble yourselves because these people got their authority directly from God. You need to learn to live peaceably among them. That's a theory. You'll find a couple commentators to back that up, but I've been wrong before. Who knows? Here's why I bring that other passage up. Because they saying different things. In Acts chapter 5, verse 29, they saying, look, I got to obey God rather than any human authority. That's how this thing goes. In Romans 13, they say, yo, everybody need to listen to the governing authorities because don't know authority come from nowhere except from God. Like God is the one who puts the authority in place. And a lot of people going to pick which of those passages to cite depending on what the government telling us to do. So now, my friend, to the crux of our question today, what are some of the implications that this brings out? Yo, here's the deal, if you ask me. Sometimes, listening to the folks in charge is going to leave the most vulnerable people among us in a bad place. Other times, the folks in charge are actually looking out for the best interest of the most vulnerable people among us. In that case, you can believe that that authority came from God. The question then becomes, how do we know? Are we just playing judge, jury, and executioner ourselves? Have we put ourselves in God's seat and determining when the government is right, when the government is wrong, when do we listen, when do we not listen? And I answer that question with another question. Where is love leading us? If God is love, and if God is the commitment to wholeness, and we try to embody that love of God, that commitment to wholeness, then our task then becomes discerning when the authorities are looking out for the most vulnerable and when the authorities are protecting the interest of the powerful. 
In Acts 5, the story is told of some people who are going around healing people, giving them uplifting messages, and being persecuted, punished, and thrown in jail because of it. The response is, I can't listen to you. I got to listen to God on this one because this is where love is leading me. This is where my commitment to wholeness is leading me. If I were to listen to the governing authorities right now, if I were to listen to these people, then I would actually be forsaking my commitment to wholeness. I would be forsaking the safety of my neighbors. I would be leaving the most vulnerable among us out to dry. And so I cannot listen to the governing authorities on this one. That's how protest works. When the governing authorities are not looking out for the interest of the most vulnerable, we vocally say we are not with that. But then you got passages like Romans 13, which come after this long exploration of what it means to be in and participate in a Jesus-shaped community, a community that is shaped by the love and the ministry of Jesus of Nazareth. And in that, we have this instruction that the people who have been placed in charge of these communities have been put there by God. And so we ought to listen to them. We ought to even let them discipline us when it is called for. And these two things exist in the same place. The only guiding principle, the common thread between the two of them is love. Where is love leading us? Sometimes will lead us to subject ourselves to the authority of some people who might disagree with us on a couple of things. And sometimes it's going to lead us to civil disobedience where we cannot listen to the governing authorities because they are standing in between us and exercising the love of God, the commitment to the wholeness of our neighbors. And so to answer that question, what are the implications of that? Thank you for that question, my friend. I ask another question, where is love leading us? Can you remain committed to the wholeness of your neighbors while listening to these governing authorities? If you can, then maybe that is God-given authority, just trying to make sure that we're not abusing whatever rights or privileges that we have. If you cannot exercise your commitment to the wholeness of those around you, under the instructions or the edicts or the prohibitions of the governing authorities, then yeah, maybe it's something to suit up and be ready to get locked up. If you've ever seen any of the RFX t-shirts or hoodies or backpacks that I sell before, the RFX is Rebellion for Christ. And around that X, you'll see the words counted among the rebels. It's what Jesus says that they will be counted among the transgressors when he asked that question. How many swords do y'all have among you? The, the one verse that every gun rights advocate likes to cite was actually cited to fulfill a prophecy that the followers of Jesus would be counted among the transgressors, the rebels, the outlaws. I say that we're going to be counted among the rebels for the cross because at the end of the day, there are times when embodying the love of Jesus will put you at odds with the folks in charge. And that's the way it's got to be. Let me pray with you. Almighty God, 
Help us to know when it's time to fall in line and when it's time to make some trouble. Help us to discern where love would lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. Translation is a production of Three Black Men, the podcast about theology, culture, and the world around us. You can follow us on Twitter at Three Black Men. That's the number three, not spelled out, Black Men. You can find me on all social media platforms at Pastor Trey 05. That's Pastor Trey 05. Don't send me no Facebook requests, though. I don't be over there. That's the bad place. This work has been made possible by a community of folks who've chosen to show their support through generosity. You can join us at patreon.com slash three black men. Spell three out that time, though. Patreon.com slash three black men. There you can find even more original content from Sam, Rob, and yours truly. Make sure you subscribe to, rate, and review the New Living Translation and Three Black Men wherever you get your podcast. And remember, real recognize real. Don't get caught looking unfamiliar. <laughs>